Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 172. You guys, I am so excited about today's guest. She has legitimately been on my vision board of women I've wanted to interview, the amazing Jessamine Stanley. Miss Jessamine is internationally recognized yoga teacher, an award-winning Instagram personality, and a body positive advocate. She's been profiled by a wide range of media, including Good Morning America, Time, New York, Glamour, Shape, People, Essence, and so many others. And I have personally loved following following Jessamine for so long. The way that she speaks boldly and authentically and always seems to be taking care of herself in a way that is showing that she's so much more than the cells that just make up her amazing body. I love how she carries herself. And today she is going to teach us so much, not just about not fitting into your mold, but about what it's like to show up and to live your truth and to really create space for other people. And I am just so excited about this interview. Before we dive on in, I want to read the review of the week. This is by user MST9A, and it says motivation for the spirit. I've been listening to the podcast for about a month now, and I love it. Jenna has a way of feeling like a distant best friend that brings practical guidance and reassurance. I recently switched from a high-powered professional job to being my own boss. It's scary and exhilarating all at the same time, but Jenna makes it feel possible. Thank you so much for that five-star review. Those reviews just really fuel my fire and help me get amazing people like Jessamine on the show. So if you have a moment today to leave a review, man, it would just make my day. Now, if you can't tell, I'm excited about this episode. I am so grateful for the way Jessamine showed up and just the lessons that she teaches us on. You guys are in for a treat. Let's dive on in. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. 
I am so excited to say that this episode of The Gold Digger is brought to you by Care Of, a monthly subscription vitamin service made especially for you. Effective, quality ingredients tailored personally for you. For 25% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code GOLDDIGGER. That's TakeCareOf.com to get your own personalized vitamin set. I'd also love to thank another sponsor for today, Slack. Slack is a brilliant communication channel for all things business related. Head to slack.com to see the magic for yourself. That's slack.com. Slack, it's where the work happens. Oh, we are rolling. All right, we're in business, sister. Okay, so first things first, Jessamine, I am a giant fan of yours. I've been trying to get you on this show because you are a voice that inspires me. I speak about you like I know you, which I think is something such a gift. But can you kind of break down Jessamine's journey? What has it looked like? What do you do? Kind of tell us a story to get us caught up to where you're at today. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's definitely not like a a particularly linear story and it's not, <laughs> well, it is a little bit, but it's not the typical yoga teacher story and certainly not at all what I thought I would be doing at this point. I started practicing yoga when I was in graduate school. I was going through just a period of depression. I go into more detail about it in my book, Everybody Yoga, but I don't really go into that much detail about it because it's so basic. Like literally, if you have been 23, then you have experienced what I was going through. It was basically like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. Everything that I'm doing feels wrong. I feel like I don't know myself. And one of my classmates was, she had just recently started practicing Bikram yoga. And she was like, oh my God, Jessamine, you're going to love it. It's going to change your whole life. Bikram yoga is amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing that shit, honestly, because like yoga, I tried it once when I was in high school hated it. I was like, this is not for me. I know I'm not going to like it. And the only reason that she wore me down is because they had a Groupon pass to the studio and it was like $30 for unlimited classes. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? You go one time, it's fine. And so I went and I ended up loving it. And it's not because I was like, more flexible than expected or, or that I was like, all of a sudden really good at it. It's that nothing could be further from the case. I mm-hmm. I was the fattest person in the room. I was in the beginning, I remember being one of the only people of color very often. It was a very alienating experience, but I didn't realize it in my day to day life. I really was kind of sleepwalking through life. I was just like, wake up, go to class or work had the same conversations with the same people over and over again, totally not engaged, not emotionally involved in anything, and then go to sleep, wake up, do the exact same thing over again. And that kind of sleepwalking is pretty much impossible with yoga because yoga requires that you focus on, you really focus on the present moment and you have to to a certain extent, get out of your, it's like you have to get into your body in order to get out of your body. Mm-hmm. And it provided this path for me to break down barriers, long created barriers within myself that I hadn't even acknowledged, let alone 
thought that I could get beyond. And it totally changed my perspective about the world and about who I am in the world. And when I started practicing yoga, I became much more confident in myself. And at the time, I was just really miserable in my graduate education for a variety of reasons that I'm not going to go into now, but I decided to take a leave of absence from school because the yoga practice had given me this confidence. And when I left school and moved to Durham, where I live now, I did not have a plan. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a place to live. There was no plan. My loose plan was to go to culinary school, which was a goal that I'd always had. But I was so far down this path of, you know, a graduate degree in nonprofit arts management and working my way up through arts organizations. I was so far down that road that the idea of going to culinary school would seem vaguely ludicrous, honestly. But I, you know, I put the brakes on everything and I moved to Durham, but I didn't have a plan. And so for a couple of months, I stopped practicing yoga because I couldn't afford to practice. I didn't mm-hmm. I couldn't afford to practice in studios. And frankly, I had more important things to think about, like finding a job and a place to live. And during that time, a bunch of sad things happened. But the thing that I talk about in Everybody Yoga and the thing that has had one of the bigger impacts on my life was that my aunt passed away really unexpectedly. We were very close. And whenever she passed, I slipped into a space of a deep spiral of depression. And I'm prone to depression and anxiety. So obviously wasn't the first time, definitely hasn't been the last time. But I found myself falling down into this pit. And I was thinking, you know, what was making me feel good before yoga? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I just got to figure out a way to do this from where I am right now. I can't afford to go to studios, but maybe I can just start practicing at home. And so I literally just started practicing the postures from the Bikram sequence that I've been doing in the classes, the just the postures that I felt comfortable enough practicing by myself. So, you know, it was like eight to 10 poses that I would link together. And I was just using my dad's old Pilates mat over time, made some yoga props. I made blocks out of boxes that I taped together. And I made, I used my old dog leash as, as a strap. And that was my yoga practice, just pumping it out in my house. And as I was practicing at home, I just started to learn more about yoga and learn more about lineage and about the just the pursuit of self. And that process and digging deeper into my practice drew me to wanting to photograph my practice so Mm -hmm. that I could watch it over time so that I could see, you know, where do I need to be watching my alignment? How can I be stronger, et cetera. And this was right around the time that Instagram first came out. And now everybody and their mother is on Instagram, including (laughs) brands and companies and stuff. But when Instagram first came out, it was just like very, well, it was mostly college students. And then of the yoga people who were on Instagram, it was just very, very serious practitioners and teachers who were giving each other feedback about their practices, you know, like, you could you know, strengthen with this posture, root through this hand, whatever. And so I started posting my photographs on Instagram as a way to feel like I was a part of a bigger community and to feel like, like I was not alone. Because whenever mm-hmm. you practice yoga at home, 
it can definitely be a little bit isolating, a little bit alienating kind of. And it was nice to feel like I was a part of a community. But I realized pretty quickly that the response I was getting from people wasn't really like that many people trying to build community with me. It was mostly people being like, wow, I didn't know that fat people could do yoga. (laughs) And I was just like, why do you think fat people can't do yoga? Like fat people do all kinds of stuff all the time. We're everywhere doing everything. And, (laughs) and I realized that I'm not even the first fat black person to put pictures of themselves on the internet practicing yoga. So I realized that there's actually just a visibility issue that Mm -hmm. the media only puts emphasis on white cisgender heterosexual bodies, slender white heterosexual cisgender bodies. And as a result, it makes it where there's so many people who believe that they're not capable of doing anything that they don't see themselves doing. And because of that, and seeing how many people were just honestly surprised that a fat person could do anything other than sit on a couch eating pizza. The fact that that was so needed Mm -hmm. became a catalyst for action for me. And I think that had that not happened, I mean, I probably wouldn't still be posting on social media because honestly, I don't really think that it's very beneficial for a yoga practice to be involved in that kind of narcissistic activity. But I do think that in terms of creating visibility for people who do not feel seen, that that is important. And that is that has become a a big motivator for me. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that so much of what you said is absolutely true. And I want to know because Jessamine, when you talked about that and what people believe they are capable of, have you had any limiting beliefs yourself? Because believing that quote fat people or black people or curvy girls or whatever can't do something, have you been hindered by limiting beliefs? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I've definitely been hindered by just the thought that I am not good enough, even more than like me as a fat person, me as a black person, this idea that I, Jessamine, am insufficient for a variety of reasons, but that that idea that I need to apologize for myself or that I need to change aspects of myself in order to be acceptable, that has been hugely influential in all of my decisions in life. And I think that I would never say that I've like resolved that. Mm-hmm. I, I aspire to resolve it. I do work every single day so that eventually, perhaps, I'll look back on the time whenever I felt insufficient to any degree. But I think that, I mean, yeah, my short answer is, yeah, Mm -hmm. I definitely have had those feelings. And I feel like that experience has been really helpful for me, honestly, like being able to come into conflict with these long held beliefs. And it's created space for me to understand other people who have that same experience as well. Mm -hmm. So as much as it's, you know, there's negatives and we can talk about the obvious negatives all day. The end result is that it 
it gets us to something important and that feels worthwhile to me. Absolutely. What was it like for you when you realized like you're breaking into this almost subculture? I feel like every industry, every activity, it has this subculture. What was it like when you realized like I am breaking into this and yoga is so dominated by a certain type of person? Like, were you afraid? Were you excited? Did you want to stop? Did you want to move forward? What was that like? Honestly, I don't even know that I really thought about it that much. And Mm -hmm. probably because even to this moment, I still feel like I'm breaking in. I'm like, I'm still (laughs) like, like, I'm not immediately accepted. I mean, I think that as much as people want to be diverse and inclusive and all of this, there's still a lot of deeply held discrimination within the yoga world specifically within the mm-hmm. modern yoga world it's outrageously white supremacist mm-hmm. there's a to the point where you know magazines like yoga journal would even with the success that i've had yoga journal is not going to put me on the cover at mm-hmm. the structure they have an idea of what they believe health looks like and i am not that image and i think that i have dealt with that kind of discrimination my entire life I deal with it not just in the wellness industry. And so to a certain extent, I expect it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to move forward by obsessing over the people who don't want me to move forward. Mm -hmm. So I really haven't spent that much time consciously thinking about how can I break in and how can I, you know, fit in and do all of this. I literally am just like marching to the beat of my own drum, (laughs) doing my own thing not concerned with whether or not other people are paying attention to it. And because I've been not concerned, that has made other people want to work with me and want to attach themselves to me to some degree. And I, you know, it is what it is. I feel like (laughs) one day people will stop doing that and I'm still going to be marching to the beat of my own drum. Mm -hmm. And it's the most important thing for me is remembering that and not getting too caught up in the fact that like, Oh yeah, there are some people now who think that I should, it's like, there's people who, who are saying, Oh, Jessamine, we can pull up a seat at the table for you. Would you like a seat at the table? And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm already at the table (laughs) this whole time. You, you were the one late to the table. Like, Mm -hmm. so I feel like, you have to see yourself outside of the system mm. and then the system will eventually accommodate you, but you can't see yourself as like trying to fit into the system mm-hmm. because if they don't want you there ultimately like they're and they're never going to want you there and you can like paint your face, whatever color you can wear, whatever clothes you can make your body look whatever way. And they're still not going to think you deserve to be there. So mm-hmm. it's just, ultimately kind of like a system type thing yeah you know i love it i mean it's hard because it's like sometimes the system pays the bills but at the end of the day like is it aligned with what i want to do with my life you know i kind of feel like you can have both to a certain extent because i feel like if you're really living in your truth the system exists to sell things and people want to see the truth so if you are living the truth then those who are within the system will want to be around you because you're the truth. So I just, I would love to reflect on this in a couple of years. I'm sure I'll have that. I hope to have the opportunity to do so, but it's, 
up to this point, I feel like the most important thing for me is just like stick to who you truly are, be mm-hmm. authentic, even if it means that you walk alone, even mm-hmm. if it means that no one gets it and no one's into it, do what feels right for you. And then that's what will always be right. I love that. I've already told you briefly about the magic of Slack, but that was just skimming the surface of this incredible program. On Team Jenna Kutcher, we use it to share projects, ideas, answer quick questions without waiting on someone to reply to an email. It's a total game changer in small business. Saves you time, improves productivity. It's super easy and convenient. It works everywhere you go. You can even get a mobile app. And simply put, it's efficient, organized, and it ensures that every member of my team is always in the loop. I can't imagine coordinating everything without it. And I'm so thankful to Slack for sponsoring today's episode. Head to slack.com if you are ready to take your business to the next level. That is slack.com. Slack, it's where work happens. Thanks to Care Of for supporting our podcast today. Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be hard to get all the nutrients that your body needs. To ensure that you get what you need, Care Of designed a short quiz that asks you about your diet, your health goals, and your lifestyle choices, and uses these answers to create personalized vitamin packs just for you. Your subscription box includes individually wrapped packets with your specific vitamins and supplements for easy grab and go. You'll receive a 30-day supply shipped right to your door. No more worrying about replacing multiple bottles when you run out or missing a few days until you can make it to the store. I, for one, am a vitamin lover. They fill the important gaps that my body is missing out from from my diet. I got to try out care of when they sponsored the show and I am so glad I did it. I took their quiz, found out their recommendations specifically for me, which how cool is that? And got their vitamins shipped right to my door. I'm a total vitamin junkie and now I have a new favorite way of getting them. I want for you to get in on the magic for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code golddigger. That's 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins when you go to takecareof.com and enter golddigger at checkout. Enjoy gold diggers. Cheers to a healthy lifestyle. One thing that I love about you, and I think I would use this word to describe you, is unapologetic. And I hope you agree in that sense, because I think that just like you just said, you show up and you your message has never changed from the very beginning to where you're at today. And I think that not very many people can say that as their platform grows and their reach grows and and their mission grows. And so what has it been like as somebody who started when Instagram came out and you know we had five followers and no comments and no likes? What has it been like for you as you've just grown, not just as a person, but you've grown this brand and this business and this empire in a sense? What has that journey been like? I mean, for me, sticking to authenticity has been, it's extremely difficult, but it's so rewarding. Mm -hmm. But it also is like, that is in and of itself a full-time job. Mm -hmm. Because I totally understand how people slip in authenticity in this industry. Like, it's especially as things changed on social, whenever it became a business and not just, you know, we're on here putting photos up for grandma to look at. Like be whenever social. Became, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whenever the media became bigger than the social part, mm-hmm. I feel like I can understand how people, if you have a business, 
that you would want for your business to do as well as it can do. And so you focus on trying to cultivate followership and trying to trying to get people to look at you. It's the it's like the adult equivalent of well, not even necessarily adult because there's so many children who are on here doing this too. But it's it reminds me of when I was a kid and someone being like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And you're just like in a frenzy so that people will look at you. And where does that come from? You know, it comes from a feeling of being insufficient. It's the ego taking over. And I think for me, it's been helpful that my work is literally practicing yoga, which is to do the opposite of that. So it's helpful that built into what I'm already, what I'm doing professionally is this necessity to be looking beyond that feeling of look at me, look at me. Because once you stop saying, look at me, look at me, and you, you're literally just like, I'm just going to live my life. And to whatever degree I've decided to share it with other people, I'm going to show those things in a way that feels true and real to me. That's what people connect Mm -hmm. with. They connect with another human being. Because we're living in this age of like complete chaos and emotional confusion where people don't know who they are. And the world is so confusing that they're just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. You look at your phone and you're hoping to have a connection with something real. And also because we're so tapped into technology, it's taken away from the amount of time that we spend physically communicating with one another. Mm -hmm. So that again, like when you look at social media, you're trying to engage with something real to make up for what's being lost in day-to-day life. And I think that if On the other end of that, we're saying, I'm going to be myself no matter what. Because there have been times since I started posting on social media where I've really pissed off a lot of people (laughs) and said that were like offensive and that people did not want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's been days where I've lost like thousands of followers. And I think that for me, it's kind of understanding that I can't be caught up in whether or not someone has decided to click a follow button. Mm -hmm. I can't be caught up in whether or not they hit that heart because there's so many different factors that go into the decisions of other people. And the only thing that matters are my own decisions and what I'm going to do. And I feel like that work is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. I would say it's probably the hardest work of my professional life because as you're growing the business, obviously from a numbers perspective, you're thinking like, where do we go from here? Like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And it's like, it's not going to grow the way you want it to grow if you're not coming from a place of truth. Mm -hmm. And, And it's just kind of however you define truth, because well, I'm not going to go too far into this, but <laughs> come I mean, on, lead so us, lead people. us, girl. <laughs> but there's just so many people on social media who, I mean, I, I think they could be categorized as fake. Like I, I would look at them and be like, wow, that's, that doesn't seem like a real depiction of life to me, mm-hmm. but maybe for them it is, you know, it's what they decided is real. And, and I think that whenever you're really connecting with whatever real is for you, then other people will connect with that. And it's, I feel like it's weird because this is such a new industry and it's a new way of communicating with people, even different than blogging. Mm-hmm. It's it's so intimate and so personal. And I think that the more that we can 
remain in a space of that same level of intimacy and personal and authenticity with ourselves, that that'll be, you see the growth in all the different places, whether it's personal, professional, Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. And I, I love reading your captions, because I think that sometimes you just call things out, like, in a way that is so awesome, it makes me stop in my tracks. One post that you posted earlier this year that I saved and just love is you say, I don't call myself fat, just to receive crumbs of acceptance from capitalists. This revolution is within. I call myself fat because I am, because I need to love myself above and beyond the cellular level, because I refuse to fear words, because being fat isn't an insult. I use the word fat to claim ownership of this body for better or worse. Have you always been this confident in your skin? Because I think one of the number one questions I get asked, because I put myself in my body out there quite a bit just like is like where does this confidence come from how do I find it can you talk about that journey a little bit I can't it's funny because I'm always thinking this like people think that you know I must have always been confident or never there's (laughs) never been a day where and I'm like sister (laughs) so yeah I feel you I mean I think that Well, okay. So the short answer is no. And when I was in middle school, especially, I really struggled with just all kinds, every kind of emotional deflation Mm -hmm. that you can do for yourself. And I'm very grateful for that time, honestly, because it was great. I was bullied really severely during that time and it was terrible then, but it was excellent preparation for internet trolling Mm -hmm. and for um, dealing with people who just direct hatred toward me. So there's that. But I also, the process of learning to have a better relationship with myself is ongoing. And I believe it will happen for the rest of my life. Like the way that I've described it is that I am in a permanent state of recovery. I learned to body shame myself as a child. I would say it's probably one of the first things that I learned to do. And I've just gotten progressively better at it over time. My mom is excellent at it. She was a great teacher. Like then so many people and my friends are really excellent at body shaming themselves and other people. And as a result, that like knowledge and that work of hating yourself compounded over decades means that even if you do spend years in your 20s and 30s saying, I'm going to, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to figure out how to have a better relationship with myself. That's still permanent work. Like I think of myself as a person who is addicted to body shaming. Mm -hmm. I'm an addict and I'm in a permanent state of recovery and I have to do the work every single day. And I could backslide any day. I do backslide every day. There's always an opportunity. And all that matters is whether or not I get up and try it again, because it's not... I think that sometimes, and this is one of my issues with body positivity as a like mass marketed mm-hmm. thing, is that it makes the process of the body liberation seem like really fun and and cute, and it seems like something that you could buy. Mm-hmm. And it would be it's fun. It's fun to have a better relationship with yourself. It's in my experience, it's not having a better relationship with yourself is shitty. It's unpleasant. It means coming into contact with things that you would much rather ignore. Mm -hmm. Like 
there are so many things that I say about myself that it would be much easier to just pretend I didn't think. But the actual work of the liberation for me is hearing myself say awful things and then trying to understand where that's coming Mm -hmm. from. And that process is just, I mean, it's just straight up unpleasant. But without doing that work, you're not actually going to get any long-term results. That's why I feel like there's so many people, and I don't know if you noticed this, but like, I feel like there's so many people on social media who they post selfies or like pictures of themselves and they're like, look how much I love myself, you know? And I think they're trying to mm-hmm. inspire other people or something. I'm not or convinced told it was the that they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's not the actual work. Mm-hmm. And I think it's selling people a product that doesn't exist. Oh, it's I like somebody t- you get like, like you bought this awesome sweater and then you get home and the sweater's not even there. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's actually something terrible there. I always make shopping. Before, so that's <laughs> I think yeah. that self-love is like the hardest work anyone will ever do. And very few people will wake up and do that work every day. For sure. You know, I mean, because it's like, digging through all of the layers of garbage and all of the things you've told yourself and been told about yourself. And it's every day still hearing that voice, but choosing to not let it have power over you. And I think that there's such a myth that it's like you just stop hearing that and it never goes exactly. away. It's just you you learn how to listen to something different or I mean, I think we're really all just trying to convince ourselves that we are comfortable. And the more honest we are about that, the more that we can actually change things, which is why when you write, I pay attention because sometimes you call out what other people would probably say about you saying, I know this, but that's not where the power lies. Even mm, interesting that I am still so surprised that people look at what I put on social media because to me it's just like my journal mm-hmm. like yeah I mean, obviously I get that there are people who are looking at it but it's like it's almost like why would you want to look at this because it's like <laughs> it's these reflections that I'm having that I really just need to get out of my system and then after writing it I move on you know mm-hmm. I'm like okay cool so figure that out and then it's like damn, did other people need to hear that too? Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about you. I was literally <laughs> just like, I didn't need to say this for myself. And so I'm glad that, I guess it's like that middle schooler who's still inside mm-hmm. of me, but it makes me feel like glad to not be alone, yep. that I'm not the only one who's having that experience that feels that way. Because, you know, there's always people who want to say, who want to use the truth against us mm-hmm. to make us feel bad about ourselves but when you accept the truth you understand that there's no reason to feel bad about anything and so the acceptance is really a weapon ultimately mm-hmm. and i feel like understanding that on a cellular level is part of the work as well Love that. Can we switch gears? Because I really want to touch base about your podcast and just the heart of it. Who is Jessamine Beyond Yoga? Because 
Yoga is a beautiful piece of your passion, but you are an incredible woman with a message. And I love how you're like, I might shock people because you think I'm all Zen and chill, but like, really, I'm just like this warrior. (laughs) So let's talk about Jessamine Explains It All, the journey, what you hope to put out into the world, why you started it and all the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, the motivation behind the podcast was that I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, like, with questions about how do I start practicing yoga? What is this thing like? What is that thing like? And then after that, there's this whole other wave of questions about, okay, so I've already started practicing yoga and all of this stuff is coming up in my personal Mm -hmm. life. How do I, like, how do I deal with that? And I realized that there's virtually no conversation around what it means to really live a yoga practice, Mm -hmm. not what it means, like what products you should buy or where you should go on your destination retreat or whatever. It's about the yoga of real life, finding the balance in the hard parts of life, looking at the light and the dark and understanding that the people who are in our lives and the relationships that we have and the experiences that we have, all of that has just as much of a bearing on a yoga practice as any posture or meditation that you would practice. Mm -hmm. And so the idea behind the show was like, let's spotlight on the yoga of everyday life. And in the process of doing that, there are conversations about topics that I feel like never get discussed, but are huge parts of who Mm -hmm. I am. The show that really motivated me, like just in the brainstorming process was the show that we did about polyamory, because that's something that is a huge part of my life. I'm polyamorous and have been for, have been living the lifestyle for about a decade. And through that, I know that A, nobody talks about this, Mm -hmm. and so we don't have great community. And B, there are a lot of people who have only ever practiced monogamy who are not exposed to polyamory or don't know anyone who's polyamorous. And perhaps those people have had relationships in their life or had experiences in their life where they were not emotionally connected or where they were unfaithful to some degree to another person. And they never felt like they could talk about that. But those experiences and the and also the experience of just loving another person, that's the yoga of real life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, it's not just this like time that we spend on a yoga mat. It's, it's the experiences and the people. And so the show is, the show is a way for me to, engage in that way and to expand the idea of who a yoga practitioner can be Mm -hmm. because the people who have really had the biggest impact on my personal yoga practice the teachers who have had the biggest impact they didn't have an impact because of their practices it wasn't like wow so-and-so holds the best handstand Mm -hmm. and now they're now I feel a connection to them. Like I felt a connection to the to my teachers because of who they are as people and their their willingness to be open about who they are. Not like giving you too much information, but just like being real with it and being honest. And that's the experience that I want to have with my students. And because my students are all over the world, this is a new experience for the like digital for the 21st century yoga teacher, that your students are not just in one location, they're all over the world. And it felt like a podcast was the best way to get that out. And it has been. And, And I think that 
that is essentially the motivator for all of my content at this point is how can we expand the definition of who a yoga practitioner mm-hmm. is? We have to get beyond this idea of like the slender white woman is the only person who practices yoga because not only is it not true, but it limits the number of people who can be affected by this practice. And it's really been beautiful to have the experience of because there's so many people who would never like go to a yoga class or who wouldn't pick up a book about yoga, but who would listen to a mm-hmm. podcast. And it's wild to like interact with people in that way. So yeah, it's been, it's been really, really cool. But I love it. I'm just thinking about it now. And I'm like, Isn't oh. it? it's so fun. Anyway, that, Podcasting is so fun. Yeah. But that's really my thought at this point in terms of just you know, my professional life is how can I expand what it means to be a yoga practitioner? Mm-hmm. How can we break this mold? And that has been a really beautiful motivator for me. I love that. One of the things I love the most about what you do is that you let people leave you voice messages or send in emails and you answer those questions. Has it been way more fun because you're actually like engaging with real people? Oh my gosh, it's so weird in a good way. It's weird in in an amazing way, but it's definitely like, uh, you know what? It is actually, it is amazing to have that kind of human connection because I have been, I mean, an email is one thing and a tweet is one thing and DMs on DMs on DMs, (laughs) that's one thing. But being able to hear a person's voice and and feel the energy that they're carrying and and being able to hear yourself in their voice is something that I think is being lost by the digital mm-hmm. age. We, I mean, I don't even like to call people on the phone. <laughs> that, that was part of what made me want to do the voicemail because I was like, are people still call on the phone? And they will. And the thing is that we just have to be we have to seek out opportunities to communicate with each other more because I feel like as we push further into this digital age, that's going to be the thing that we reminisce about the mm-hmm. most. The thing that we're like, damn, remember when we used to all talk to yes. each other? We used to hear each other's voices and it wasn't just about how fast your thumbs could tap. So yeah, it's, yeah, that definitely does add something special. I love that. For sure. One thing that, is a sensitive topic, but I think that you are someone that can shed a little light on it. And we were talking about this off air and, and I think that there is this push for inclusivity, but I think that so many of us are going about it the wrong way and we're not sure we have this desire in our heart, but we're afraid to offend or we're afraid to reach out or we're afraid to say the wrong thing. I know I have said the wrong thing so many times and my heart has been in a place that's never intended it, but I think sometimes it's time that we just shut up. Can you give us like any insight? Because you have carved a path in so many different directions of your life, not just the yoga industry, but in educating and in just empowering. What kind of advice would you give people that are trying, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the the problem with some of the approaches to inclusivity is that it presumes that we're not all Mm -hmm. equal or that we're not all on the same page. It's sort of like thinking 
I'm better than everybody, but oh, shit, I just realized there's other people and I feel guilty that I never thought about that before. So like, let me, you know, condescend to the people who are beneath me, as opposed to saying there are people who are standing right next to me who just don't have the light shone mm-hmm. on them. So let me just make sure I'm going to stand out of the light so that they can have the light shone on them so that in the long run, the light can shine on all of us. And I think that whenever you come at it from that perspective, it's a subtle shift, but it can really make all the difference. Because personally, I deal with being not inclusive all the time. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, like, there's a tendency to think that it's only some people that need to work on inclusivity. We all need to work on it. Like, there's not a person alive who is, like, all the way thinking about every single, mm-hmm. like the way that something can affect. And the reality is that because we're not all coming from the same place, we're not going to know the right language to use. And we're going to say that's mm-hmm. offensive. We're going to do things that is, is offensive. And the most important thing, at least in my own life, has been to actually listen to what other people are saying and to not immediately react from a place of fear or sadness. Because a lot of times people whenever they realize that they are not being inclusive or that they are being potentially offensive to another person, you jump to wanting to mm-hmm. be like apologetic and explaining where you're coming from. And, you know, like, I didn't mean it that way. And it just doesn't matter whether you meant it that way. It doesn't matter what you thought. It doesn't matter what your intention was, because this is what mm-hmm. happened. And listening to the person who's telling you how they feel about what you did and I think that that work is really difficult and it's much more complicated than just like than a mm-hmm. hashtag or, you know, just a fixing a button on your shirt. And it's important to really like understand how the privilege shows up and how it's a privilege to even be apologetic and to feel like you, you know, like you have an explanation that you need to give and come at it from a place of listening and from healing, not from a place of condescension, Mm -hmm. from a place of listening. Thank you. Thank you for that. It is hard. hard. It is. Yep. It is hard for all of us. And I think it is just something that, I mean, I know I can just be quiet and create space in a much bigger way. And just thank you for answering that because I think that there's a desire, but I don't know. It's so interesting because I think that we've been trained to believe that there's something wrong with mm-hmm. silence or that we should always have the answer. So why are you being quiet? And the thing is, we don't always mm-hmm. have the answer. And so it's better to sit and to allow the silence to create space for someone else to make sound and then to listen. And it just, that's all it is. If we were all listening, mm-hmm. this world would be mm-hmm. different. Completely different. That's why yoga is so amazing too, because I think a lot of times our generation, like you said, how we're all so connected, we don't want to be quiet with ourselves because we're afraid of what we'll hear. And I think that it's the same thing in life. Like we are so afraid to be still and quiet because we're afraid of what our inner dialogue even looks like these days. Exactly. The number one reason, I mean, people always are like, I want to meditate, but I can't. I just can't be quiet. My brain won't stop moving. And the thing is, like, your brain's not supposed to stop moving. Like, if it stops moving, <laughs> then 
you're not alive. So it's cool that it's moving. But the thing is, like, we're afraid of what's going to happen if we stop thinking, if we stop hearing the voices. And and if we let it's it's like being afraid of the dark. You know, we're afraid of the unknown. And that space, that darkness is so fruitful and powerful, but that doesn't mean it's not scary. So I think it's okay for it to be Mm -hmm. scary and that we can even being able to say, I'm scared. That's cool. You know, because once you say it, it makes it, it deflates it. So I love that. So what is the number one thing that you want to leave our listeners with today, whether it's yoga related Mm -hmm. or self-love related or just Jessamine related? Like, what do you want to leave us with? Oh, I would say that fear is the enemy. Fear is the thing that we avoid. Fear is the font of sadness. It's the font of hatred. It's how we end up in states of violence. And I think that if we can come from a space of compassion, compassion toward the fear even, that that's the key to everything, not just yoga, not just, you know, work is the key to everything. I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Where can everybody connect with you, get your book, listen to your show, drop all the links because we all are huge fans. (laughs) So you can find me on Instagram as my Instagram and Facebook as my name is Jessamine. You can find me on Twitter as Jess Not Jazz, Jazz like the music. And you can find all of my information, my book, my online classes, my teaching schedule, retreats, the whole nine yards can be found at jessaminestanley.com. Amazing. Well, my sincere hope, you are on my vision board for this year of our paths crossing in real life. You are just someone that has so inspired me in so many of my journeys. And I feel like we're walking very parallel roads. So I am just so thankful. Cool that you came on the show. You've been on my dream list for so long. So thank you. I'm really touched by that. And I'm going to look forward to our paths crossing in real life and you feeling like, wow, this is basic (laughs) as hell. I'm going to look forward to that. Holy mackerel, isn't Jessamine just amazing? I like feel so fired up and just thankful for our conversation and the way she showed up. That girl means business. And I just love the way that she shares her journey so openly with the world and doesn't apologize for who she is. I know that Jessamine has so many messages that she can share with us. And so I highly encourage you guys to go follow her. I learn from her every single day and I'm just consistently inspired. One thing that I really loved about Jessamine is that she She's redefining things like she is stepping into that place where she wasn't feeling represented. And I think so often in life, if we don't see ourselves represented, we forget that we are the representation. And so Jessamine has just left us so inspired. I'm so grateful for this conversation. And I just want to continue doing the hard work and bringing on amazing people to teach us just like her. Until next time, Gold Diggers, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. 
Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.